0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the a Tunes podcast. My name is Anthony. And for those of you that haven't checked out the other two episodes I released in conjunction with this one, one being about the news that have gone on in the music industry over the summer, along with my review of Planet Her, the new studio album by Doja Cat. Go check them out. You definitely won't want to miss it. Now, With that being said, the tracks that I'm going to cover in this episode primarily came out in July with some of the tracks and albums coming out in the end of June. So, the first track that I'm going to go into right off the bat is Bad Habits by Ed Sheeran. Now, for those of you that don't know, Ed Sheeran, his new scheduled album, Equals, a lot of people thought it was going to be Minus for the longest time. He decided to go with Equals. Bad Habits, though, in particular, it starts acoustic, but then he adds an electronic beat, and it's ultimately a dance pop song. Now, this song is interesting because this is the first solo release he's done in over four years. For those of you that have forgotten, his last project that he did, number six collaborations project, as it says in the title, they were all collaborations. So this is his first singular release that he's done in quite some time, and for this song in particular, it's interesting because he originally recorded a slower acoustic version, but he decided to go with a more upbeat one since COVID is finally going, Uh, fingers crossed, and you know, with the restrictions kind of falling away in England, where he's from, it made more sense for him artistically to go with a more upbeat song to kind of commemorate these restrictions being lifted now the song in particular it's not about covid but it's more about his partying habits specifically how that reflects on him as a father and how his drinking can lead to very bad consequences thus the title bad habits now the sound itself is very like 80s dance pop it's very reminiscent of like the after hours by the weekend which was prevalent all of last year and ultimately i think the song is okay for what it's trying to accomplish which is where it's has the balance of what he's comfortable with which is like acoustic guitar ballads but it also combines something of a newer sound which is like dance pop electronic beats stuff of that nature and let's talk about the music video for a minute the music video has Ed Sheeran dressed up as a vampire in a pink suit. Now, the video is split into two separate times. At night, he's in this pink suit. It's supposed to represent his bad side. And in the video, he's essentially terrorizing the city as a vampire. He's making people run away because it's his bad side. And when he's partying, he does have a lot of bad habits. Now, at the end of the video, it goes to daytime. And he returns to his normal self, the more kind of happy and sure that we usually see. Now he's using the song primarily to contrast who he was and who he wants to be, which is a father for his family and his wife. Overall, the song itself is okay. I don't personally hate the song, but it's just not interesting and it's not different for me. I think he definitely tried to do something different, but it's a bit generic when it comes to dance pop, especially because it's already a sound we've heard lots and lots of times. And especially with the weekend coming up with After Hours last year, coming up with this kind of song, especially with a similar sound to what After Hours was, it kind of just sounds like he's trying to hop on a current trend, which is kind of like 80s dance pop. And I'm not saying he's the only one that's done this because there's plenty of artists that are trying to hop on this trend. But if you are going to hop on a trend, you have to make it more tasteful and make it more interesting than the way it was. And I think ultimately just with Bad Habits, he just didn't accomplish that. And especially because it is the lead single of his upcoming album, Equals, it's just disappointing, especially because this is his first solo release in four years. Um, Comparing his previous lead singles for a minute, though, I didn't realize this initially, but with a lot of his new lead singles, he tries to make the style very different from what the album actually is. So, if we talk about like the A team, it's folk, right? With sing, it's like R and B. Castle on the Hill, Shape of You, which were like the co lead singles for Divide. Castle on the Hill has like a combination of folk, pop, and rock, while Shape of You is more like tropical house and like dance hall. So. Whether or not Bad Habits and the style of it is really going to be the dictator for the rest of the album. I don't know. I don't think it will be due to the nature of his previous albums, but I am curious to see how different or similar it'll be to Bad Habits. And I just hope realistically that the album is more interesting when he releases it because so far Bad Habits, it's very generic when it comes to dance pop and yes it's gotten him a lot of streams it's peaked at number two on the War hot 100 but with number six collaborations project being as bad as it was in my opinion i just think bad habits in terms of setting the tone for a future project for his new project i just don't think it's a good start for him and i hope the rest of the album is better so i'm curious to see how that will come out in the near future Moving on to Call Me If You Get Lost, the sixth studio album recently released by Tyler the Creator. And honestly, I thought this album was fantastic. You know, coming off of Igor, which was a very good album itself, and coming off of Flower Boy prior to that, it's very really hard to maintain the level of projects that Tyler the Creator has been able to keep. You know, Flower Boy was a great album. Igor is a great album. So, to have three great albums in a row, it may sound really simple, but it's very, very complicated, especially because you want to make it interesting and different from the previous project. So, I'm happy for it. I think the album itself is very great. I would say either this or King's Disease 2 by Nas, which I will get into in a future episode, are probably my album of the year picks. But The Off Season 2 by Jay Claw, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I think those are like the top three albums for me that have came out this year, at least in the hip-hop rap genre. Now, the album itself is supported by two singles, Lumberjack and What's Your Name, featuring Youngboy Never Broke Again, aka NBA Youngboy and Ty Dolla Sign. I talked about Lumberjack in a previous episode, It includes a sample from Gravedigger's 1994 track, Two Cups of Blood. And I think it definitely does a good job of encapsulating what to expect with Call Me If You Get Lost. And I like the 1990s hip-hop instrumental because I think that's a nice touch. It's something that kind of, you know, attributes itself to a previous era. However, it's not my favorite song on the album. However, it doesn't really need to be because it was just more to encapsulate what it's like. And I think What's Your Name, which I'll get into in just a second, I think is honestly probably one of my favorite songs off of this album, if not from Tyler, the Creator himself. Now, this song in particular, it's 90s R&B. It displays how Tyler, the Creator quickly fell in love with the woman that was already taken by someone. So it's a very interesting topic. Now, the funny thing about this, actually... Is that a lot of people were surprised about how good NBA Young Boy's feature was, and I'll be honest, I don't listen to NBA Young Boy that much, so I wasn't sure what they were talking about. But just grading his feature alone in perspective to everything else that he's released, I think he did a really good job. I liked his vocal contrast a lot with Tyler the Creator and Ty Dollar Sign, I think overall it was a great feature. Now going back to tyler for a minute the fact that he was able to bring out the best of his features i think is something that i can definitely appreciate as a listener and it just shows more of why he chose those specific artists to work with on this particular song right tyler the creator rap but he also has a much deeper voice you had nba Youngboy, who kind of just brought a very different persona to the track and then you had ty dollar sign Who kind of brought everything together he was kind of the glue that held the track together so I think overall it's a fantastic track it's definitely my favorite song on the album and I forgot to mention this it does include a sample from H-Town's 1994 song backseat with no sheets but overall man this song is fantastic Um, definitely check it out if you haven't already Um, just some other standout tracks from this album Sweet, I Thought You Wanted to Dance, featuring Brent Fiaz and Fana Hues. It samples the 1974 Hookfoot track, Is Anyone There? Now, the song is broken up into two parts, right? Sweet, which is the first part of the song, encapsulates the height of Tyler's love for this girl. And the second part of the track, I Thought You Wanted to Dance, basically shows the girl having mixed feelings for Tyler before ultimately picking her partner at the time. And although it's almost a 10 minute song, getting both Tyler's perspective and the girl's perspective, I think is just what makes the song so interesting to listen to. And overall, for that reason, I think it's a great kind of storyteller. But also, I think it just does a great job of kind of encapsulating both sides and kind of bringing them together to make one cohesive song. So I think that's great. Now, probably my second favorite song on this album, Juggernaut, featuring Lil Uzi, Vert, and Pharrell Williams. The reason I like it is because, as I mentioned with What's Your Name, I think Tyler, Lil Uzi, and Pharrell, they all just have very different voices. And I think the contrast between all of them is what makes it so interesting again Tyler with the deep voice Pharrell kind of with like the smooth voice and like Lil Uzi who's kind of like the wild card all of them together I think just fit together really well and with the distorted bass production which was similar to like his early work like Cherry Bomb I just think he does such a great job of again picking these collaborators to work together because usually most of the time, an artist's singular work is usually better than when they collab with people. It's just usually how it works. When you collaborate, sometimes the voices don't fit together. They may not always gel. But the fact that with these two tracks in particular, Juggernaut and What's Your Name, he was able to fit all these voices together and kind of combine it into this cohesive track. I know I keep saying cohesive, but there's a reason for it. I just like how he's been able to be precise and direct in who he picks to collaborate with, and I just think that's great on his part. One other song I'm gonna get into Wilshire. I think I mentioned storytelling with Sweet and I thought you wanted to dance. Wilshire is like the ultimate story in this album. Right? Recorded in one take, it's over eight minutes, and it tells the full story of Tyler's failed relationship. From when they first met to their eventual breakup. And one thing I did forget to mention, DJ Drama, his vocals are pretty much all over this album, except this particular track. Even the opening track, Sir Baudelaire, that has a feature from DJ Drama, all the other songs have DJ Drama, but Wilshire does not have anything from DJ Drama, so I thought that was very interesting. And as I said Sweet, I Thought You Wanted to Dance, Wilshire's storytelling I think is the greatest strength of this particular track, and I think... The fact that it is so long, it, I am able to get all of the pieces of this relationship, and I think that's great on his part. Now, some of the other features on this album, right, 42 Doug, Lil Wayne, Tezo Touchdown, Dome of Genesis, and Daisy World. I think most of the features on this album are pretty good. Um, it's definitely a great album, and I think, again, it's probably my album of the year, either that or Gnosis King Disease 2 but overall i just appreciate how his previous three releases right flower boy igor and call me if you get lost they're all different stylistically and because they are all so different that's what i can appreciate the most out of each of these particular albums and that's why if you haven't already you should check out each of these albums and you'll see what i'm talking about because they are all so different stylistically but yet I liked all of them I think they each do a great job of highlighting a different strength of Tyler the Creator's artistry and overall this particular project is great I know Tyler the Creator is a fantastic artist but I think this just adds on to his already fantastic repertoire moving on to some pop BTS they released permission to dance which was a part of the Butter CD that they released. And this song actually debuted at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and actually replaced Butter. I mentioned Butter. I talked about it in a previous episode. And I'll get into comparing Permission to Dance, Butter, and Dynamite in just a second. But with Permission to Dance, it's the third English-language single now released by BTS. And ironically enough, Ed Sheeran is actually one of the writers on the song. Ed Sheeran helped BTS in the past. He helped write their song, Make It Right, which was released in 2019. And like the MO of BTS for the past few months, Permission to Dance, the feel-good dance pop song right about during the summer. It's a very bubbly, happy track. And just for me, I don't personally love the track at all, to be honest. I think this and Butter... It just doesn't work for me. When they did it with Dynamite, I was like, okay, fine. You know, you do one happy song. And because it was their first English language single at the time, I thought it was great for the ground that they were trying to break. However, Permission to Dance and Butter, it just seems like they're trying to westernize a little too much to try to appeal to like the English language speaking market. And obviously both are popular, but I just think they're both too happy for their own good. Now, if you ask me to rank each of the songs, I think Permission to Dance is slightly better than Butter. That's not really saying much because, again, just Butter and Permission to Dance, I just don't like either song, to be quite honest. They're both too happy for their own good. And at the end of the day, I think BTS just needs to come out with something different, something that's innovative, because they have the fan base to do it right? They have the backing behind them. So I think BTS, I hope they come up with something different, with something new and innovative, because again, I really wish nothing but the best for them. But I just don't think Permission to Dance and Butter were it, because they both just sound like these very happy, generic dance disco pop songs. And pretty much everyone's doing that at this point. They're me, they're not all happy, but they're all basically dance pop. So... I hope they come up with something different, but we'll wait and see what happens. Speaking of 80s dance pop, The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber, they released a song called Stay. It recently peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. So because of that, it's the first number one for The Kid Leroy. But this also makes The Kid Leroy the first Australian born solo male artist to top the Hot 100 in over 40 years since Rick Springfield's 1981 single, Jessie's Girl. So I'm happy for The Kid Leroy. I congratulate him for his success. And this song, just to get into the nitty gritty details of it, it is the lead single off of The Kid Leroy's mixtape, Fuck Love 3, Over You, which is the final mixtape in the trilogy series he's been doing. And a kind of unique little nugget I was able to find, there's actually a songwriting credit on this track for Charlie Puth. Um, Charlie Puth since the song he did with Gabby Barrett hasn't really done much since then I don't believe so it's kind of cool that he was part of working on this track I think that's great for him and just this song in particular it's a synth pop hip-hop pop track about the killer wanting his lover's forgiveness while Bieber admires his those of you that don't know basically means Haley Bieber Justice I already talked about it in the past so check out the episode I did about Bieber if you want Um, essentially most of his songs that he's done in recent memory have been about his wife it makes sense he recently got married and I think honestly it makes sense for him to do it so this collaboration makes sense this is the second song in the top 10 for the Kid Leroy. he did release Without You a while ago and he did a remix with Miley Cyrus that also peaked in the top 10 And realistically, from my point of view, this just seems like The Kid Leroy wanted to get another big hit to kind of further grow his brand. And he definitely accomplished that for sure. When you do a collaboration with Justin Bieber, you're going to gain more fans. That's just how it works. It's one of the laws of music, I guess you can call it now. And it's definitely catchy. And it's not necessarily the worst track in the world. I just don't personally love it because I feel like that's just not what the kid Leroy usually does so again I'm not mad at him at all because again it just seemed like he was trying to get a hit and again trying to grow his brand which I think at this point in his career makes sense because once he gets that big exposure then he can truly release what he really wants to and with the vocal contrast right between you know the kid Leroy using his head voice Justin Bieber kind of singing in, like, this tenor voice. I think the collaboration works. For those of you who are wondering, how did The Kill Roy connect with Justin Bieber? They both have the same manager, Scooter Braun. And this song, for me, it sounds like the classic radio song that will take over for the next few months. It has already, and I expect that it will only continue to get more popular. And again, with similar production to The Weeknd... And, you know, After Hours and the whole 80s dance pop thing. I don't love the song, but I understand the strategy, right? It's not bad, but it's not groundbreaking. But again, I don't think that's what the Kid Leroy was looking for. I think he was just looking for that next big hit. And I think he was able to get that. So hopefully in the future, he'll release something a little more close to his base because just for me, although the song is not terrible, it's just not it for me. And I just hope he does better and more innovative things in the future. Moving on to Post Malone. His song Motley Crew" debuted at number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100. It's going to be the lead single off of his upcoming fourth studio album. And it's actually his first solo release in over two years, which is very interesting. Now the song itself was released five days after his 26th birthday and the song is about partying and the rich lifestyle that he has with his group of friends aka known as the Motley Crew, thus the name of the song. Now the music video was actually released through Lyrical Lemonade. For those of you that don't know what Lyrical Lemonade is it's a prominent hip-hop YouTube channel that a lot of artists tend to go through to release videos. The director Cole Bennett He's a great music video director within that kind of community. So I thought, you know, Lyrical Luminated must be a great video. And ultimately, the video just shows posts Malone, you know, drinking with his peers, partying on a racetrack. And there's a lot of guests that appear in the video from Ty Dolla Sign to French Montana. It's big Sean. And he even had some other non-artists in there too, like NASCAR drivers Denny Hamlin, Bubba Wallace, and also Tommy Lee, who was the drummer of the heavy metal band Motley Crow. So it's a jam-packed video. Um, I think it was great for him. It seemed like he was having a lot of fun, and you know, I like it when the artists are having fun putting out music that they want to do. Now, in terms of the quality of the song, it has a trap beat, and Post Malone is singing in this really high-pitched head voice which for me was weird to listen to at first. And because of that, it's not necessarily my favorite song from Post Malone. And I've heard people say that it kind of sounds like a bad Playboy Cardi impression. And I definitely hear where they're coming from. But the song for me, it just caught me off guard. It wasn't something I was expecting for Post Malone. And I don't mind getting the unexpected, but I'd rather get the unexpected in a good way. And that just wasn't it for me. So I am curious to see how this sets up his upcoming album. But overall, with you know the high-pitched voice and this pretty generic trap beat, the song overall was pretty disappointing. So I hope I see better when the full album is released. Now, Born This Way, right? Lady Gaga's second studio album, it was recently its 10-year anniversary. So as a result, she released six bonus tracks which were essentially different covers done by various artists who represent and advocate for the LGBTQ community, which I think was nice. So just to go into the songs that she released really quickly, right? One of them was "Mary the Night by Kylie Minogue. One of them was Judas by Big Freedia. Highway Unicorn, Road to Love, which was performed by The High Woman featuring Britney Spencer and Madeline Edwards. You and I, who was just performed by Ben Platt, The Edge of Glory from Years and Years, and Born This Way, the Country Road version by Orville Peck. Now, again, just to compare the similarities and differences between the original track versus the new bonus ones that she released, Mary the Night, it is similar style, which is dance pop. However, I feel like Gaga's voice in the original is more rock inspired versus Kylie Minogue's. But overall, I thought the song was fine. And it was a nice different interpretation for what the song originally was. Judas, right, Big Freedia is an Electro House group. For those of you that don't know, um, so they're like a southern hip hop kind of vibe. And there's choir like backing vocals, which I think is definitely a different touch. And I definitely do appreciate that cover. But again, I prefer the original. Moving on to Highway Unicorn Road to Love. The original one was more electro rock but this is more of a country version so again just a different sound compared to the original which i think is completely fine you and i it's more of a somber kind of theater-esque cover compared to the original one which had more of like electronic guitars and piano now you're wondering why is it more theater-esque well for those of you that don't know ben platt he primarily has a theater background he's primarily an actor actually known for his role in the pitch perfect series and for those of you that wonder what music he's done throughout his career he actually released his debut album sing to me instead back in 2019 and that was a broadway pop album so this kind of cover actually makes sense for what he was trying to go for the edge of glory it kind of changes from pop electro rock to electro pop which makes sense because years and years, kind of does a mix of R&B and 90s house. So I think that group definitely put their own stamp on the song, which is great. And Born This Way says in the title, it's a country road version. So it went from electro pop in the original to country. So overall, I do appreciate all the covers that were offered in this 10 year anniversary edition. And I'm happy because it gives more excitement to this album That's been around for a long time, and it gives people another reason to re-listen to the album. So I think that's great on Lady Gaga's end. Going into the last few tracks here, Wild Side with Normani and Cardi B. It debuted at number 14 on the Hot 100. It includes interpolation of Aaliyah's 1996 song One in a Million. Now, this song, Wild Side, it's going to be the lead single off of Normani's upcoming debut album. Now, for those of you who are wondering who is Normani, she was originally in the girl group Fifth Harmony that was formed on the TV show The X Factor USA. And the way that group was formed very similar to how like, One Direction was formed on the television singing competition show The X Factor. Now, it's interesting because Normani felt like she was overshadowed kind of while she was in Fifth Harmony. I feel like, or at least she feels like she didn't really get the opportunity to shine as much. So I'm happy for her that with this song in particular, she's definitely shining on her own. And I think it's a great track and it definitely shows who she is as an artist, right? Very R&B inspired, but also her dance moves, right? That's what was primarily done in Fifth Harmony. But the choreography, done in the video for this particular song I think was great and obviously given that Normani is a great dancer I think her performance skills is definitely something she can use as a strength as she continues to move on in her solo career and the only I guess downside to the song is Cardi B's verse it's not bad but I just don't think it was necessary because the song is more to kind of show case normani's abilities as a solo artist because a lot of the things she's done she's either been in fifth harmony or she's done collaborations like dancing with a stranger with sam smith and so on so i am happy this is kind of like her own song that she got to put together and i think it definitely shows off her character very well and i am curious to see how this will tie into her upcoming album but i'm very excited to see how that comes out because i think If this is any indicator as to how the album will go I'm think it will be good for her and where her career can move forward going into the next track industry baby with Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow it debuted at number two on the Hot 100 and there's actually a production credit from Kanye West at the time I'm recording this he released his album Donda which had a lot of Of weird kind of criticism to it and also there's just been a lot of controversy surrounding it but I'll get into that in a future episode but going back to Industry Baby it's set to be the third single off of Lil Nas X's debut album Montero which is scheduled to be released on September 17th when it does come out I will be doing an episode on that so be on the lookout for that now the song itself is about both Jack and Lil Nas X's fame and their success kind of their status in the rap world as we all know Lil Nas X most people know him from Old Town Road since it was one of the most popular songs for a long time so this song kind of goes into how he's not necessarily a one-hit wonder and with Jack Harlow I talked about what's popping when I was doing my Grammys recap it's very similar in that sentiment where it's like he's a solidified artist now in the hip-hop community and i think the song definitely just adds to that so it's great the instrumental for this i thought was great as well it's very brass heavy it kind of has this marching band instrumental which i think is great and in my personal opinion this is definitely my favorite out of his three singles between montero sun goes down and industry baby now don't get me wrong i think all the songs are great montero is the most commercially successful out of the three Sun Goes Down, I think is his most intimate and most honest out of the three tracks, which is something I definitely appreciate. And Industry Baby itself is about how he's still successful following the controversy of the Montero video, which I talked about in the past. And for those of you that don't know, essentially, it just seemed like he was worshipping the devil, which obviously with religious people, that doesn't sit well. And overall, the video received a lot of backlash and controversy so basically that's what I talk about when I say that and obviously Old Town Road not being a one hit wonder actually proving that he is more than just that one song now with the album scheduled to come out relatively soon again I will talk about it in the future but I am curious and I'm actually excited to see how this album will fit together obviously with the seven EP he released isn't necessarily a whole project from him So hopefully, we'll get that relatively soon. And when it comes out, again, I will have an episode on that. So stay tuned for that. Don't Go Yet by Camila Cabello. Ironically, Camila Cabello is another member, or excuse me, another ex-member of Fifth Harmony. Now, the song itself debuted at number 42 on the Hot 100, and it's set to be the lead single off of her third studio album. Familia, which is scheduled to be released, I believe, in the near future. Now, this song kind of draws back to Camilla's roots. And if the song has any indication for how the album is going to go, it feels like it's just going to go back to kind of her Cuban-Mexican family heritage, which I think is great. You know, Selena Gomez did a similar thing recently with her Revelacion EP and the recent release she did with Camilo called 999. So, I think it's great that she's doing that, um, and I hope that the album is, number one, good, but two, it's, you know, intimate and kind of going into her family life and kind of how she kind of rose to, I guess, rose to fame, so to speak. So, I am excited for that, but as we all remember, Havana was is probably her biggest song to date. Kind of has a similar vibe, so I will wait and see how this all translates to familia and going back to don't go yet itself it's a latin pop tropical pop song and it's about wanting to be with someone and never having the desire of going away from them now as we all can speculate it could be about sean mendes because obviously they've had a public relationship for some time and as sean has said in the past you know most of the songs that he's done are about Camilla, so it could be related to that, but again, it's all speculation. So, again, we'll see if she ever does confirm that. But going back to the actual music itself, it has this flamenco guitar. And for those of you who don't know, it's basically just a guitar that kind of has a more gritty sound to it, the strings are a bit different, and so on. And there's also hand clapping in this track, as well as like ad libs that kind of further enhance the vibe and message of the song which is kind of like this Latin tropical vibe it's very you know happy in the sense that you know she doesn't want this person to go she wants this person to stay and I think the song is fine for what it's trying to accomplish which is kind of that whole family vibe which obviously is great in music now what's interesting about this track actually is I don't think Camilla's vocals were the best on this track it's a little weird listening to it for me, and I don't think the song itself will be super memorable when we're talking about her discography in the future. But I think the song's okay for what it's trying to do. Now, before I end this episode, just a little bit of housekeeping. In a previous episode, I mentioned that Dua Lipa's uh, song Love Again was released as a single on March 11th in Ireland. But after doing some more careful research, I realized that it was actually sent to radio in France on March 11th, but the music video was released on June 4th, and due to the release of that video, it officially became a single. Now, the song itself actually hit U.S. Contemporary Radio on July 6th as the fourth single of the album, although if you technically look up how many singles are in future nostalgia there are technically six so for those of you that don't know how charting works essentially when you have a song it has to hit radio first before it can chart so although love again became an official single on June 4th it didn't hit the charts until like one or two weeks after it hit radio in the beginning of July so now, I believe it recently peaked at number 58, and it's going to continue to climb up the charts on the Billboard Hot 100, so we'll see how far that goes. But even just talking about the singles, like Physical, for example, it only peaked at number 60 in the US, reason being it wasn't sent to radio as a single in the US. It did a lot better throughout like Europe because it was sent as an official single. Hallucinate, another single, wasn't even charted in the US because... Again, it just wasn't sent to radio as a single in the U.S. So because of that, other songs charted higher instead. So just a bit of housekeeping with that. Also, Lana Del Rey, I've mentioned it in the past, her Blue Bannisters album. Now, it was supposed to come out on July 4th. Hasn't happened. And I'm actually happy that she hasn't released it yet because, as I mentioned in the past, with Chemtrails Over the Country Club, because that was released in March... I don't want her to release Blue Bannisters too soon and kind of stunt the growth of chemtrails. So I think if I'm Lana Del Rey, or what I think she should do, is just take her time, you know, and release it whenever she feels comfortable to release it. Like, I don't think she needs to rush to do it. So I am happy she didn't release it yet. But when she does decide to release it, I'll be here for it. And I'll be curious to see how different it'll be from chemtrails. Now, Halsey's fourth studio album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power, it recently was released on August 27th, and again, I will go into their album in the future, so just be on the lookout for that. And the next album breakdown that I am going to do after Doja Cat is Pop Smoke and his second studio album, Faith. It came out in mid-July again I apologize this really should have came out a while ago but it didn't so in that case the next episodes I'll release will be both Pop Smoke's second studio album Faith and Billie Eilish's second studio album Happier Than Ever. So I will release both of those in conjunction together in the near future but until then thank you all for listening. As I said in the beginning of the episode, and I'll say it again, there are other podcasts that I've released, one about Planet Her, the other one about the news that has gone on in the music industry over the past few months during the summer. So check that out. It's greatly appreciated. And again, I thank you all for listening. Please, please, please stay safe and enjoy the rest of your day.